This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, for the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house! Ball poked away by DeJulius, diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett, fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three, good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight! The one-handed catch, hands it off to Marcus Jones. He has tackled it to 34, it. and it is over! Zero losses, zero doubt. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer. We are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats week in and week out. Make sure to check us out on Twitter at VivaLaCatsPod and follow us on Spotify, Apple Pods, or wherever you listen. Also, make sure to check us out at CUC Uniforms for all the up-to-date UniTracker info from Steve. With that said, there's... I guess we just have to open this up with Crosstown. It kind of sucks because it's a little bit of deja vu. We've seen this time and time again when we go into Cintas. Um... We got our asses handed to us. <laughs> not, not fun. Just give me a really quick general reaction. Um, how did you feel after that loss? Okay, Justin. So I'm going to give you a reaction real quick. You give a reaction, and then I'm going to go on a, a quick little rant. I have some points written oh, down. Okay. But my quick point is, uh, Justin, do you remember the episode of Charlie Brown where it's Thanksgiving and Lucy is holding the football uh, for Charlie Brown to kick like a, a field goal, and then Lucy pulls the football, a football, football, football <laughs> out from under him just at the last second, and he trips, falls, and does his ah. That yeah. is UC basketball playing at the Centos Center. Uh, it does not matter what coach does not matter how many good players we have it always seems to go that way um yeah so uh, it's really just a simple matter of like you said on twitter saturday night rebounding is a big issue for us um and we saw in the game last night when we're able to rebound against uh teams that aren't as good and because we want to play in transition justin we want to play with Getting Mikey Saunders and Mike Adams Woods downhill, mm-hmm. even DDJ, getting them all those guys downhill because they're fast. But yep. we can't play that style if we can't rebound and we can't make. Well, we can't if you, you can't can't make shots. You know you can't play <laughs> that style. But we're not a good three point shooting team. I think we knew that going in, and most of our buckets were either going to be either like you know defensive turned into offensive, like tur- uh, creating off turnovers or transition buckets and yeah um when we have to get into a set like that like i just don't think the we have the right talent or skill set yet to be able to make consistent plays like because i would say you have to make at least possessions on at least 20 baskets uh, on baskets on at least 20 possessions to be competitive but i said this is going to be quick uh lucy pulling the football from charlie brown is what you see uh, basketball playing at centos feels like Absolutely. I, I, 
100% agree with you because I think it speaks to how we always uh, generally have a decent setup before we go into that game every year, too, where we have a couple early season games where we get some good wins under our belt. Um, you know, we sometimes when you're playing the Alabama A&Ms of the world and other teams like that, you know, it, it, you humble yourself a bit and you, you don't go too crazy, but... When you play a team like Illinois and you route them and you stay so, as close as you did with Arkansas, going into this game, you're like, ah, we've got a shot. And you walk into Cintas and it's it's time and again, like you think you have a shot and you just don't. Like Cintas really is something different. I hate saying that as a diehard Bearcat. It really kills me, but it's true. Like we can't do anything there. We're not good. But uh, for a quick general summary, um, if you're listening to the podcast, you obviously watch that game. I don't think we have any people uh, who listen to the podcast that don't. But regardless, Sintas um, is an impossible place to win in. Uh, the game ended 83-63, to 20-point loss with a bit of an ass-kicking for the Bearcats. Uh, the Bearcats' last lead was at 11-10. to 10, um, And from there, Xavier really took over the entire game. It wasn't really much of a competition after that. Um, the zone that Xavier plays was absolutely impenetrable. Um, and we could not get an open shot to save our lives. And again, to your point too, we couldn't get a transition bucket to save our lives either because there's no fast break points there. Um, when you can't get a rebound and the only time that you're getting the ball is when Xavier makes a shot that sucks. And that was the whole story there too. Um, we could talk about the refs, which we probably will, um, which absolutely killed us, especially in the early going. Um, but the refs were also bad for everybody. They were calling everything. I think we had three fouls um, in the first like minute and a half of the game uh, between both teams, which is just insane. Um, and maybe that just speaks to like cross on history. And they're like, all right, we did our work on the film. It's been 10 years since the Yancey Gates punch. Everybody's itching for a brawl. We got to shut it down by calling fouls. It, I don't know. I don't know what the story was there, but the refs were calling it. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, Really, the story here is that X played lights out on both sides of the ball, and we did not. And it's very clear to see for so many different things across the stat board and across what we watched in the game. There are many reasons that we lost this game, and there were many reasons why it was a 20-point loss, and it could have been a lot more, too. Um, so I'll let you <laughs> have your rant here, Steve. Okay, I'm going to make it quick, but I wrote down a bunch of <laughs> angry points uh on Saturday in my iPhone notes app, just to not look like a mad fan on yeah. the, internet. so, um, <clears throat> Justin, what do these things sound like to you? Uh, we need, we have to stop bringing up shit that happened 30 years ago. Uh, when we have to prioritize this game, does that sound like Michigan or does that sound like you see? Cause to me, that sounds like Michigan playing against Ohio state. They always like before this year, when they beat him talked about, how many games they had won in the past when clearly Ohio State had been the better team for the last decade. Yeah, And um, I think ever since uh, Xavier's joined the Big East and uh, uh, gotten some uh, financial backing uh, from a few alumni here or there, take, take that what you will, listeners, they are, I think they've got better recruits uh, and they've got better players. And obviously it's hard to play in that building and they've shown that they can play in the Big East now, but Honestly, I think we need to prioritize that game more. Um, we're going into the Big 12, of course, and we're going to get better recruits and we're going to get better players, better big men, better shooters, uh, better everything. But I, I mean, like, if you, if you, I think if you prioritize that game, it helps because 
Xavier is in a period now where they're never going to be like extremely bad. Like unless they do something catastrophic, I don't think they're ever going to be extremely bad again. So we really need to match that level. We can't go in there and get punked like that. We need to, I think we need to prioritize this game even more than we do already. I don't think we prioritize it enough. And like, you know, especially like say for next year, if next year is our last year in the conference, then like what other game other than like the Houston and Memphis games are really going to be exciting rivalry times for this team. Like, right. We got to, that's, that's the biggest game of the year. It's at home next year, obviously, but I, I, I think we got to start prioritizing that game even more. So, yeah. Um, okay. So that's my, that was my more measured take on UC, but I have a rant for Xavier. Uh, I'm not going to say the full F word because uh, I don't want to be caught saying bad words on Al Gore's internet. So I'll just <laughs> use the letter F, but you know what I mean. So here we go. F zip them up. I hate that. It's so stupid. <laughs> F your fans. The Bama chants and the football chants were so stupid. Learn how to talk trash better. F Travis Steele's mediocre coaching ability and his just I hope the IRS comes after his bank account and asks him why he pulled out $3,000 of the ATM on Saturday night. <laughs> yeah. F your bag, man. Travis Steele's father-in-law. We know. We know. F the bag, man. Uh, like I said, F the stupid Bama chance. Come up with a better chant. The, this rivalry is, doesn't need anything stupid from you guys, but Xavier always takes it to a stupid place. F the Big East. We should have taken that name and not kept the American, not changed to the American. We should have kept that name and let all those other schools figure that out. And they, Xavier is in the Big East, which is a basketball conference. It's tailor made for them, but I hate the Big East. Like, like I also said, F the football chirps. They make no sense. F. Okay. And then my last one is just a bunch of guys that I have hated over the years. F Jack Nunji, F Adam Kunkel, F Jason Fremantle, F Zach Hankins, F Matt Stainbrook, F Justin Dolman. I hate <laughs> all of those dudes. I hate them so much. And uh, I'm not going to say anything about about them other than their names because I don't want to get clipped and tweeted like Justin Berg did Saturday night and Sunday morning because uh, yeah. I saw that video one too many times and. Uh, uh, you can't be putting yourself out on the internet like that just to get get meme, Justin. Like we know better than that. You can't you can't yeah. be doing that. But um, I'm allowed to say that I don't like any of those gentlemen. So I met Matt Stainbrook once. He seems like a very nice guy. I just I can't like him. I I can't. Yeah, I think you make a lot of really good points there. I I I agree, man. It sucks because. It feels like there's so many like just toxically annoying things about Xavier as a whole. Um, to be giving up this game every year, it just sucks, dude. Like this is this is what their third straight now. So it it feels like we're seeing a lot of the same thing. And of course, you know, Wes Miller obviously said like you know that that video got oh that one was tough too. Uh, from his initial uh, press conference when he said we want to kick Xavier's behind. No, and... no, no, no. I'm pushing back on that. That was fun. Like I, well, that was the... fun. No, I agree. I agree. That was egg, fun. The Xavier thing, but I just didn't like Berg saying all that stuff. 
no, no, no. I, I agree with you. I'm just saying, like, looking back on that, like, those kind of things, like, it's just, you know, I, I, I don't... Some people may argue, but I don't think that we prioritize this game enough. I really don't think we do. Um, personally, you know, and I don't want to be caught as the guy that's saying, like, basically, you know, what kind of what to use, uh, you had said about Michigan and Cincinnati kind of sounding the same as complaining, but we really, we, we're, we're not doing anything different every time we come into this game. Like, we win at fifth third and fifth third alone. Um, and it generally comes on an off year when we play Xavier. Like, that's just being real. Like when when Xavier was in their transition year, we had a, a good game against them. When we had another, um, you know, we we got one over on Xavier um, in what 2016. Um, when we had a stacked roster, when we had Jake, Gary, Troy, Kyle Washington, Kevin Johnson, like we had all those guys on the team. Of course, you're gonna win that game. Like I, I feel like I don't know. I there's something that we just can't figure out. When it comes to Cintas, and I know it's like the you know the fans are rowdy, it's loud. That place echoes like a mother. It is so loud in there. I've been I've been uh, to across town there as well. Um, I know how it gets, but I just don't know what the problem is. Every single time we play there, it's just the story never changes. Um, and and specifically speaking to that too, I had some notes about it. Um, my biggest thing is there's always some kind of center for Xavier that goes off. Um, last time it was, um, I can't even, Kareem Canner, I think, uh, Ennis Canner's brother. Um, you know, this time it's Jack Nungy, who's a transfer from Iowa. And I actually found this interesting because I didn't know that, uh, know this until after the game. He was a transfer from Iowa. Um, interestingly enough, who was sitting behind player of the year, Luca Garza. Um, so I guess he got impatient. I don't know. Um, looking at the, like the timeline, um, he would have probably been the starter this year. I would have thought at Iowa and Iowa has been a very consistent program. So the fact that he left in general, I think is a bit surprising to me. It looks like he had some injuries throughout his career, um, which have kind of hampered him a bit, but he decided to hit the refresh button uh, with Xavier and decided he wanted to piss off the entire city of Cincinnati. Um, and in exchange for some beers on the house from his good friend, Travis Steele at Dana's who, again, I hope the IRS <laughs> pings his account and is saying what's up there because you know that's just annoying too i really wonder like i i would i don't know if it would just be too memey or if it'd be too like uh expected but i would love to see west just do that like whenever we get one over on savior next hopefully next year just go like to uh i don't know ladder or top cats or uh wherever and throw some money down i mean that's the thing though he he'd probably have to go to like a couple different bars and throw it on like 500 each because at least we have more than one bar on our campus that's besides the point um my biggest thing to here was the freaking rebounding dude um that really stresses me out um we don't have anybody that wants to really rebound um because we just get beat on the glass all the time like we've seen that in a couple other games this year too like we're not dominant on the glass against teams that we should dominate against the glass and uh, teams that are good on the glass. We got our asses kicked and that sucks. Um, I think we need to really focus on that. Odie is obviously a great rebounder. Vic Otto, I think they're good rebounders too. And I think they have a lot of potential there. I just don't think that we see that when we're in these big games. Um, but I also don't think it helps too. 
um, when we get in early foul trouble the way that we did. One big thing that I wanted to note here is that across the game, and this is where we're start, going to start talking about refs, but across the game, there was 27 Bearcat personal fouls to 18 for Xavier, which is just ridiculous because those came so early too um, that we had like, again, the same story as like Arkansas. We had early foul trouble and we couldn't play ourselves out of it. Um, and then regardless, when the other team starts playing well, what are you going to do about it? Like, it, it sucks because it felt like for a good stretch there that every time we went down the court, Xavier was getting a call some way or another. And it's not, you know, there's there's certain things where there's like ticky-tack stuff and then there's, you know, a hard foul. I would say 50% of those we deserve. But again, like the ticky-tack stuff, you can't, in Crosstown, you got to let them play it out. And they just didn't. Um, so that annoyed me. Um, our th- honestly, our three-point shooting wasn't terrible. We matched almost exactly what Xavier had hit, um, just in a little bit higher volume of shooting. Um, but the amount of foul tr- or trips to the foul line Xavier had, the double bonus in both halves uh, sucks. And then also we had no blocks in this game, which is just insane. We're averaging like five across the entire season per game, and we had none. Um, so I... I don't know. There's so many things that just did not look good in this game. And I don't know what the solution is. But all I know is that Xavier played really well. And I don't think that are, that we necessarily played awful. I think that we just couldn't beat them. Like, we, it sucks to say, but Xavier kicked our ass. Like, there's no other way to put it. We have to just say it how it is. They kicked our ass, and there's no... There's no excuses that we can chop it up to. Like, we need to play better in the shootout. I'm getting sick of it. It sucks. I, man, I agree. I agree on all those points. And I, I think it's just like the whole identity of this game from RN needs to change. Like, yeah, I it's just at some point as fans, we have to just stop bringing up things that happened 30 years ago. Like I know Xavier, that's always a meme with their fans. And um, I posted a tweet on my personal account about how I didn't like that. Xavier takes it so far. Um, You know, like the, the one meme in question that I posted about um, it was like, like it was the Arnold Schwarzenegger meme uh, where like the two guys are, uh, grabbing each other's hands and like they're oh, yeah. doing shake but it was like uh things were better in the 60s you see fans and racists and like i i don't really i i can understand why a xavier fan might have laughed at that i don't know i just i didn't really like that but and i always think they take it pretty far like i don't know if you remember the thing from a couple of years ago but uh that the xavier kids like on victory made a uh a banner of mix mom and like talking about yeah that was i remember that that was really bad i i i think we can talk about better things among the rivalry but like they're not to give that that person original like the person i was talking about on sunday any credit for that meme but like i see way too many people who were never alive in the 1960s talking about those cha- those those things and stuff and uh, you can't yeah. obviously control a fan base and you know but i think the messaging around this game needs to change and i i i think like if if Brandon had won either of those shootouts 
this game does not hold that much magnitude and a sense of a job. I think he would have gotten fired anyway, but right. If he won that game last year, I think there would have been a, he would have had a few more fans and the firing would have been a lot more commercial. But I think it's fair to say that this game means that much that like people like, uh, I was talking about Berg earlier, but, uh, he's a, he's been a Bearcat fan for a while. And he he says one of his things he expects from UC coaches to beat Xavier. And I think, Mm -hmm. As a fan base, we we have to either start like not pushing that, I don't know, but we have to start wanting that more as yeah. just to be okay, the, there if if nothing else matters in this year, we need to beat Xavier. Like we need to make it a goal just to beat right. them. And I think that's fair because as our basketball program evolves and moves, there Xavier is still gonna be one of our biggest rivals and that game game's gonna get even better as we move into the Big East, but even Big with 12, our best 12, team 12. of the, uh, sorry, Big 12. Ugh, 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 I hate that conference. <laughs> um, even if, even with our best team of the past, of the Mick era, of the, uh, you know, of the Cronin era in that 2017-18 team that played at NKU, they still yeah. got beat by double digits at Xavier. And mm-hmm. that was the height of Xavier's powers too. But man, like, maybe it's just like we're snake bitten there but we got to make these games at least close like we can't just be getting consistently punked by double digits at that building like we need to like uh, how close was the 2019 game was that close i think it was uh like 73 66 if i recall Uh, so yeah it was uh, closer yeah. But still, regardless, same result. It, you know, we still lost. <laughs> like, that's the difference. It's like there's, you, you know, you can either win or you can either lose. There's no tying in basketball. And we lose every time when it comes to Cintas. I, I don't know what the solution is. I don't. Well, maybe we can wrap this up and uh, keep moving on to uh, yeah. the, the FAMU game. But just a final point, Justin. I don't like them. I would like to beat them at CentOS Center once in my lifetime. Um, I think that's a fair ask. Yeah. And I, I think eventually once the recruiting level gets better and who knows, maybe uh, NIL Bagman steps through the door for the Bearcats and helps us out. <laughs> um, I just want us to be better, obviously. I have, and I, I have one, one question for you, actually, because I wanted, I wanted to elaborate just very quickly before we transition away from this topic. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking well, about this, and I don't want to forget. Yeah, go ahead, and I'll, then I have one last point, and then we can move on. The Bagman for Xavier. I wanted yeah. to talk about this just really quick. Can you explain in more depth the Bagman for those who don't know? All righty, so let me walk you through it real quick. I have this <laughs> link pulled up. Um, so... When Travis Steele was hired in uh, uh, in uh, 2018, after Chris Mack left, uh, he uh, he became obviously the head basketball coach. He was elevated, uh, but when he came here originally uh, as an assistant on Chris Mack's staff, uh, he met a girl, uh, a local girl, whose father just happens to be uh, a very influential. Uh, donor in the Xavier community. So uh, if you, uh, so I'm reading this article from Busted Coverage, introducing Amanda Steele, wife of Xavier's new coach Travis Steele, uh, and then I'm gonna read. Uh, I'm gonna read that. The, the, I'm skipping through to the last part. Um, when, after this is after the story that they met, the writer 
writes, Did I mention that Amanda's family is loaded and has donated millions to make Xavier a basketball power? Uh, That's a link. And it says, after that, I'd say that as long as Travis can make a couple sweet 16s over the next 10 years, this guy is going to be living the life all of us wouldn't mind having. So we click on the link of Amanda Steele's family and the new Xavier Strength and Conditioning Center that's been up for about five years now uh, mm-hmm. was made possible by the McCall Family Charitable Fund. Now you ask, who is the McCall family? Uh, the, Mac- uh, the McCall family uh, is the maiden name of Travis's wife, Amanda, uh, Amanda McCall Steele. Mm-hmm. So um, there's been some not so blatant rumors and you don't need a two, four, seven sports account to read them that yeah. um, there are possibly some shady things going on at Xavier with how they're getting recruits um, and how they're uh, enticing guys that, on just the basis of the basketball program and the fact that they're going to Xavier. And let's be honest, not everybody wants to live in Cincinnati. Um, we don't need to disclose our accounts. Yeah, but we're a private like, school, right? Well, well I mean, you know, bag, bag man, you know, they're, that's private sector, baby. That's, that's not, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just a family, you know, that's not associated yeah. with them, but it is just very interesting to me, Justin, that um, the, the guy who, is the head coach of the program has in law ties with one of the biggest donors, possibly the biggest donor to the program. Um, so, I mean, it would be, it would definitely be convenient if yeah. uh, those two somehow had a link. And as we said that just because, um, so we joke with the roll blob pod guys that um, what's, what's the steel timeline. And they didn't really bring that up, but, I saw someone in the replies of a tweet and I sent it to Justin immediately about, you know, how uh, I didn't really know that. But apparently, you know, if like they fire Travis Steele soon, that could really mess up the money from that uh, big donor uh, because obviously the family ties to the coach. So Mm -hmm. um, either they're going to be stuck with Travis for a couple of years or they're just going to eventually have to pull the plug on him um i don't know it's not exactly like football and basketball where like you have a you have to extend a coach every year right uh, but i mean his extension is probably i'm sure he got one extension but it's probably not that expensive right now and if they don't make the tournament again this year and obviously the joke is that they wouldn't have made it in all four years of his tenure but uh <laughs> he they probably would have made it in uh his second year if COVID hadn't happened, but uh, don't, don't let that get in the way of a good joke. You know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just think it's funny that like, it's, it's possible that. that, I don't know. I just, I I thought that was funny. Um, I think that was my last point anyway. So, um, that works. (laughs) Yeah. So it kind of, kind of just worked out anyway. Yeah, it'd be um, nice if we had a nice uh, bag man to slip into the team and just dump some well, more money in. Why not? Well, uh, I'll just say this to any UC alumni that work at local Fortune 500 companies or car dealerships. <laughs> Jeff Weiler. <laughs> um, if you'd like to hook up any Bearcats players with a car, you can do that now. Yeah, that's true. Just uh, get, give, paid uh, money. get your buy, money. Buy Jerome Ford a F-150. The new, the yeah. new uh, lightning by exactly. the, the, the uh, all electric 
fast as fuck boy F-150. Yeah. Uh, a Ford for Ford. Help these guys out, you know? <laughs> Quinn Ewers is getting like $4 million to play quarterback at Texas. I don't, I'm not asking for that much money, but um, yeah. <laughs> let's get these boys some money <laughs> and start getting better recruits. <laughs> yeah. But, um, also, I think, and then I want to roll this into last night's game too. Um, I think the the oh yeah my one final point and then uh, this this can be rolled into last night's game as well against FAMU. Okay. Um, I didn't really see any of this, but I want to reinforce this point. Um, this is really not on West Miller. Um, I don't really feel like blaming John Brandon necessarily because he, one he kind of did this to himself, but two I thought I kind of think he was falling in the Mick footsteps and didn't realize oh hey we might be going to the big 12 in a couple of years and we can recruit to that um i think west miller will have a chance to recruit to that but obviously um our team is not going to be as talented right out the shoot just yeah. because he had to put i was talking with our buddy rob who was on the uh reaction pod last week and uh he said this to me too and i you know had to remind myself that this team was put together with like uh scotch tape and paper clips this summer yep and uh, it's obviously not all of his guys. There's not a four-year senior uh, in this program right now. And I think either uh, Davenport or Micah, I think those two guys are like the longest tenured uh, yeah, active guys on the team, you know. And it's not even three full seasons. They're in their junior year. Yeah. So I, I think it's just going to take time to build that culture. And um, I, I want Jeremiah there to help build that culture, kind of like a – Deontay Vaughn when uh, Mick was just starting out, you know, I want Jeremiah to be able to build that culture for Wes and, you know, show people what Cincinnati basketball really is. Um, and I think it's just going to take some time. And the, the other thing too, is that we, we need to just have a better presence inside because we got killed on the glass in all of our losses. Like, yeah. you know, just plain up and, and simple. And last night we played better. Uh, obviously fam, you does not have the same amount of talent that we do. Um, but guys like, uh, Ado and, uh, Koval and Hensley, um, they're, you know, they're good pieces now, but they're, they're not going to be good enough for when, like, if we follow the same program trajectory as like a Houston, we, we're going to have to have a lot better guys playing in those positions and that'll come, yeah. you know? I don't want to downgrade any of these guys because like they're younger than me now, which is weird to say. Right. But, uh, <laughs> I, like I think Lockin has a has potential. Um, I think uh, Koval is a good good piece. I think Ado is a good piece, but like I just don't think uh, either any of those big men other than uh, Lockin or Odie are really just like the level that we want to have in the future. You know, and I think as long as we keep growing, we can keep getting better from those guys and develop big, better big men. I think that's another thing too, from the past that I would like to see come back is like, how many good big men did we have in the nineties and two thousands? Right. It wasn't really guard play. It, you know, we had Steve Logan and obviously SK was the big one here. Um, he obviously developed. And then like during mixed time, it was more guard play with, you know, copain and, uh, Chad, Moore, not Chad Moore, but um, uh, who was? No, uh, no, no, yeah, Chad Moore, yeah. Sorry, uh, I was trying to think of number. Oh, Cashmere Wright, that was the one I was. Cashmere Wright, there you go. Cashmere Wright, Dion Dixon, like there was a lot of guards. You know, there wasn't yeah. necessarily the same 
big men. And like Gary Clark was one, obviously Octavius Ellis, Justin Jackson. But uh, when I think of nineties, UC basketball, I think of Kenyon Martin. I think of Danny Fortson. I think of like Herb Jones who recently passed away. I think of like those intimidating power forward slash centers, like those big men who really just wreaked havoc on their league and on other mm-hmm. teams. And, um, it might be hard, but I would like to eventually see that. Last night's game against uh, FAMU, I was really uh, happy with Odie's performance. He he played well, had a big dunk. Um, and then our our rebounding uh, was a lot better, obviously, against a not-as-good team. It's going to be better, but I think that's our formula for this year, Justin, is try to get out in transition, get a quick rebound, and get the ball going because I don't think we can really score from offensive sets. I don't really think we can shoot the three that well. And our defense is okay, but like when it's a team like Xavier who has multiple threats, I don't know how good it's going to be right now. And obviously it's a learning curve. Uh, this team definitely yeah. has room to get better. And the the caliber of our teams, uh, of other teams in the conference, I still think we could get to 20 wins um, as long as we play well enough to win, you know, and, like if we play like we did against Illinois the rest of the season, Illinois is turning out to be not that great, but yeah. if we play like we did in Illinois and Arkansas the rest of the year, we have a chance. So um, yeah. what did you think about uh, last night? And do, how do you, would you agree with like what I'm saying? Am I, am I out of my, Oh day? yeah, no, no, no. I, I actually, I really agree with your point too, about the big guys because, and this is, this is not like to rag on any of our big guys at all, because I think we have some quality play from all of them. I think the thing is we don't have, and this is one of my points just overall for the team um, specifically to this game. Do we have a player that can hit that takeover meter? Cause right now I don't think that we do. I think Mikey looks really good when he's, when he gets hot, like I think he's been playing very well. Um, Davenport, when he's making his shots, I think he plays really well. He can do just about everything, but like, I don't see a player on our team where we had somebody like Jake or Gary or Troy or um, specifically the one that I always go back to is like SK um, or not. I'm, I'm skipping over Jaron altogether, but Jaron too. Um, probably Jaron more than anybody. We don't have that player right now that can hit that takeover meter where you put the ball in their hands. It's game over. Um, and I, I think that is one of my concerns is that it's just comes down to our identity. And I kind of, um, I tweeted this on Sunday morning, I think. And, uh, after a well-rested sleep after a crosstown is that we don't, we, we don't really have an identity after 10, 10 games. Um, and that we can't expect that too. I think that's a little tough also to have the game in Cintas, um, and then try to figure out what we are as a team. Uh, 10 games in. It's just very hard to do. Uh, but regardless, I think speaking to that point, um, I think we need, I think we need some more dominant bigs. I think we need to like, West needs to send a scout out and just sit there at Rucker Park for, you know, three months on end. Just give them some, you know, I don't know, give them a daily trip to the bodega or something and just <laughs> pay for it all. Find somebody there who plays that smash mouth in your face, like glass cleaning and just dominant inside game because we don't have that. Like we have guys that can, you know, obviously Hayden's great at blocking. Um, I, you know, his 
I, I don't see a whole lot of um, like post control, but you know, guys like Vic, I think have a lot of potential. Um, Otto, I think is a good rebounder, but I, I just don't see, and, and of course blocker too, but I, I want somebody who just inside can hit the takeover meter because we don't have that. And we have guards that have a lot of potential. Um, but again, we don't have that sort of dominant player, um, that we can rely on. And that's the thing that we've seen with Xavier um, time and again, is that, you know, it might not be a person that does that night in, night out, but it's having a player in the post that you can rely on every single game. Um, I think, like I said, Vic shows flashes. Vic's still young. He's a sophomore. Um, So I think he will be that guy. But again, I want that smash mouth kind of player. Um, And against Florida A&M, you know, the Bearcats came out 77-50 in that. It's a 27-point game. I think that's good. We cover the spread, Um, which was looking a little shaky in the first half. Didn't know if we would do that, but it ultimately came out on top. Um, But I don't know. From what I saw from the game last night, I don't really think it's a game where there's much else to comment on other than the fact that we won. Um, Because it's, you know, we, okay, we played well, but again, it's, Florida A&M, I don't even know if they crack the top 300 in Ken Palm. Um, so, like, when I look at that, I just, I don't want to take too much stock in a game like that, and I, I'm i really just so much more focused on Crosstown, because it, it, it for me, I look at that game as a wake-up, not necessarily a wake-up call, but like a, you need to get your shit together, because you need to figure out what this team's identity is, and you need to figure it out fast, because we're playing Houston, we're playing Memphis, we're playing all these teams coming up, and then, you know, in two seasons, we're going to be in the Big 12, and we're going to be playing Kansas, we're going to be playing, like, you know, Baylor, Texas Tech, you're going to be playing a lot of these big Big 12 teams every single game and it's we're not going to have the cupcakes of the big or of the um AAC anymore. You got to make sure you take care of business and you got to make sure you figure out what the team is before we go in. And I think we will. I think we have the time. Um but again, I'm taking a lot of this just to rant. Um but I wanted to ask you about that too. Um do you agree with that point that we don't really have a takeover player? Because I I just don't see it right now. For sure. I agree. Um I think like just seeing like like if Jaron Cumberland would have like absolutely balled on this team, and I think that's fair to say. Like I think he would have taken over at some point, you know. And like yeah, I'm a I'm a, I was a big always a big fan of Jaron, and like you know he still has one year of eligibility, and <laughs> so if he wants to come back, come on back. Fair. But, you know, I I definitely agree. We need like one game breaker, like. Uh, one guy who you know is going to go get a bucket because, like, I don't necessarily know if DDJ is that guy. Maybe he is, but I don't exactly know. Um, it could be, you know, but he hasn't really shown it other than, you know, putting up a good shot every now and then. But I wouldn't right. say he's like a Jerrion Cumberland type who can just consistently get you a bucket. Um, right. I would agree with that. And, you know, maybe one of these future guys is going to get better, like, you know, a Daniel Skillings or a Jordan Reed or somebody else that like transfers in or somebody that we recruit. Um, I think there's obviously an opportunity for us to get, get better um, in multiple ways, but I would agree right now. And hopefully maybe like Mikey can uh, develop into that. Uh, maybe Victor can develop into that. Like I keep thinking about Victor and like, he's only been, 
playing basketball. Uh, he's only played like 10 games over the past three years, and that's the 10 games he played, the, or maybe the nine games he's played this year. And right. like, if he could develop into something, that would be huge for us. And like, I, He clearly has it, too. Like His post game is like he's got the post moves. He's got the ability to rebound. He's got the ability to block. He's definitely more of a scoring uh, big, but I'm with you on that. I think he's that guy. I think he will be that guy. It's he needs time. Yep, I agree. And I think once we get, you know, a couple more guys in, I think if our rotation by the end of the year is our usual five starters and then Odie, Mike, and um uh well, like I guess Ma, but um or Micah. I guess he starts though, so like who would I guess if our eighth guy is Hayden Koval, I wouldn't be too upset about that. And um, and now I like, I hope we can get to the tournament. I'm not like the most optimistic because we had a, we spurned probably our two best chances to get like quality wins outside of conference. And yeah. I think that Monmouth game is not going to be a, a good loss, uh, going into the tournament time, but I don't think anybody really realistically expected tournament this year. I think we were right. just hoping for a return to normalcy. And if they can win two games this year. Winning 20 games in like 10 of the past 11 years is still pretty good for a program. And just like, it, I think that'll like cl- keep the waters clear, you know, and uh, stem the tide for a little bit of uncertainty around this program. So, yeah. Um, Justin, you want to kick it to uh, today's events real quick and then uh, we'll wrap it up and with a couple other things. Yeah. Well, I, that, that sounds good to me. Why don't you, why don't you lead us off? So, Tell us specifically, what are today's events? So we are recording today on Wednesday, uh, December 14th, uh, 15th. Um, At and 11 o'clock. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, Eastern time. Uh, so it, today is actually National Signing Day. So um, mm-hmm. for the early signing period, it's crazy to me to think that last year that uh, UC had to, like, or some schools had to recruit and get commitments in the same week that they're because this week last year was the conference championship week, which was like crazy to me to think about that those two things were happening at the same time. Um, obviously, most of your kids are committed at a school like UC before you even get there, and we're not getting many flips either way, which is a good thing. Maybe right. as the program like evolves and moves into the Big Twelve, we might get a couple more. But uh, currently, the Bearcats uh, are down to number thirty-three. They only have. 20 commits and that's leaving some space open for transfers or um, maybe a couple flyers for the spring signing period. And just in case somebody, uh, another coach moves or, you know, they're just keeping a couple spots open. Um, I don't exactly know what positions we might be looking for in the transfer portal other than kicker, which we already secured Um, maybe a couple linemen, maybe, you know, we always need more uh, defensive tackles and defensive ends and stuff. So, um, but I think like you got to be happy with what this class has brought in. Top forty uh, right now, you see ranked in the uh, number thirty three in the nation with a number twenty seven overall class with uh, the amount of transfers that are going in and out. Um, that's pretty impressive for a school that's still group of five and is not uh, does not have an SEC level recruiting budget or a Big Ten level recruiting budget. Um, obviously, the big ones are um, Mario Eugenio or uh, Eugenio from Florida a couple weeks ago, four star, uh, uh, 
like a top two top 300 espn guy which is awesome so but it looks like our defense is just going to be really good the next couple of years and um yeah it's very it's just very impressive to me to see what fickle is doing with the recruiting year after year and yeah um, i think we've been number one or top three in every year in recruiting that he's been here which is just shows why we've been in the conference championship game the past three years and one of the better teams in the conference the past four so um, I hope that wraps it up a little bit. Uh, we, I, I could see us staying in the top thirty for overall, but like a top forty class for a school that is, uh, you know, graduating seniors. But obviously, if Coach Fickle's going to stay for a while, then we have a chance to really keep building. It's awesome. awesome. So yeah. only only up from here. Yeah, I mean, right now looking at uh, the two four seven board, we're sitting at thirty three. So. It's uh that's a that's a good place to sit in and like you said I mean I think that's a consistency thing. You can expect like a lot of teams, you know, you could have hot years, flash years. Like a lot of people look from the outside in on Cincinnati this year and like, "Oh, this is a hot like kind of flash in the pan year. Um this will be a great year for them and then they'll be gone." But um when you're consistently recruiting like you said, year in and year out and you got a guy like Fickle who's an aggressive recruiter and can get pretty much anybody he wants, especially now with the platform that we have in the CFP. I mean, I think recruits would look at that and say, well, shit, I want to be a part of that. You know, and it's, it's, it's cool because now we're not like the, we're not trying to compete with, I don't, I mean, we're still obviously competing with OSU, but I think we're at a point where like, we're stealing the recruits away and who's in the, who's in the playoff this year, Michigan and OSU for, from all other standpoints, aside from, what I'm about to mention, that sucks. But recruiting, that's really got to suck. I mean, everybody's seen that like, okay, you know, they lost to Michigan and whatnot. But I think this puts us in a prime position to maybe start changing that narrative. You know, I could yep. be speaking a little early, but I think that really does make a difference. Because if there's a guy who's looking at OSU and Cincinnati and they're looking at right now, what are you giving to me? Like, what have you done for me lately? Cincinnati's the answer. I yeah. mean, that's just, and, and going forward too, looking in the Big 12, we look like we're probably going to be able to have more control in that conference than, you know, OSU is in the Big 10. Of course, OSU has always dominated the Big 10. Um, and, you know, I think they're always going to be up there. But at the same point, I think we look like we have that um, that extra gap that might put us in that CFP more consistently, especially with um, impending conference or uh, playoff expansion with 12 teams. So I think recruits can look at this team and see that there's a solid product here that will be consistently rolling year in and year out. And as long as fickles here, I think that this is just going to be, uh, you know, a snowball running down the hill every year. And I think it's just going to keep gaining momentum. So I really like where we're at too. Um, yep. Two quick and notes. I, and then yeah. we'll, we'll move on. Uh, in the new big 12, we would currently be ranked fourth behind um, West Virginia, Iowa State and Oklahoma State, which I think if you want to compete day one in the Big Twelve, that's awesome. Um, yeah. And then, like, there's still like a couple recruits that, like, yeah. and the other thing too, don't tweet at recruits, don't tweet at high school kids. Yep. Uh, I just don't. I don't know if any good comes from that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think just as the recruiting budget improves with the move, like I think we still have a shot to be top 30 top 20 type of destination so really exciting um so sorry i, I cut you off there oh no hopefully well hopefully we can say the same thing for basketball too yep you know, basketball's got a lot more teams but i think at the same point you know going into the big 12 
it's better competition. And if there's, you know, there's noise around football, there's going to be noise around basketball too. As long as it, there's noise around the program, I think recruiting benefits across all sports. Um, and actually that brings up one quick point that I wanted to mention before we jump, um, that, uh, UC's fall 2022, um, uh, enrollment has increased by 11% as of this, you know, from this past fall, I guess. Um, which is pretty big because that's, a, that's something that a lot of people ignore and say like, okay, maybe there's just a larger class. I think that really puts into perspective that the football team might actually be making the school some money. <laughs> um, because people, I mean, it's, you know, it sucks to put it that way uh, when it comes to academics. And, you know, this is a sports podcast ultimately, but... Um, you know, when people see like, Hey, this football team is doing really good, or this team is constantly on the news, or this team is constantly, um, being talked about at school or this or that people see that and they're like, well, cool. I want to be a part of that too. And let me go find a program that matches what I've got in there and go there. Um, I think that shows too, that the football team is actually, you know, making some noise because it's not just in the sports world, I think we're seeing that in the academics world. And, you know, 11% doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're having enrollments of like, what's almost 7,000 students, 11% is a pretty big number. So I don't know. I thought that was a pretty cool note too, um, just to see how that's uh, progressing as well. I'm fairly certain this is not allowed, but uh, I think Coach Fickle should get like a, a 1%, 1% of all the application fees from yeah. uh, new students. <laughs> Just put that on his extension, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that'd be a, that'd also, be a quick Millie. Yeah, this is also uh, stemming from, uh, there's a, a, a news record article from earlier this year where uh, they tried to drop the bomb on, like, no offense to you, Justin. Um, I was always a fan more of the pictures of the news record and not the actual reporting that went into the news record. There's no so, offense there, dude. I am the same. That's the only reason I shot there. <laughs> Let's be honest. Well, I just wanted to and, take photos. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the their big gotcha piece was that UC was spending like um, a lot of money on subsidies uh, in order to fund the athletic program from student fees. And while in general, like I get what they were saying, like, no one was going to like agree with that. I just want to find the students on UC's campus that they were quoted like, I, yeah, like against like the academics. I'm like, do you, do you, what did you go for the, to the school for? Like it, obviously we have good academic programs, but right. I, I'm to me, I just think like, I just think in a sports centered brain, obviously. And I'm like, do you just not go to football games on Saturdays? Like, what do you do on your Saturday? Aren't you annoyed that all these people are on campus uh, blocking yeah. your way to the library? Like, yeah. Uh, isn't this just frustrating? Like, where do you get home? <laughs> like, nerds! So yeah. <laughs> I, I just thought that was funny. Um, but yeah, good for UC. I think that's the... Um, we gotta... As, if we're gonna play Pump It Up in the stadium, we gotta pump it up in the emissions and the uh, application... Yeah. So pump it up, baby. Oh, for sure. Well, one other thing that we're going to be pumping up is um, some potential throwback unis. Uh, that will get the crowd going. And honestly, like, I don't want to be the weird guy online, but like, from the potential what we're seeing of um, this throwback, which they said sometime in 
this this coming spring uh, for the rest of the basketball season. I don't think did they announce a game yet for that? Uh, no, but I I guess that it would be um, either the Tulsa game or the Memphis game because those are both uh, those are our second and third. Uh, conference home games and i didn't think they were going to put it against east carolina one and two i found this surprising tulsa and memphis are in the top 10 of teams we played the most over our history memphis is less surprising Mm -hmm. but tulsa is kind of surprising i know they were in the mid uh, missouri valley conference with us back in the the oscar days but still kind of surprising so yeah um, well but I would imagine it would be against Memphis because we liked wearing those throwbacks against them a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's true. And they clearly did wonders. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, for those of you who haven't seen yet, uh, there will be a, an official 70s throwback game early 2022. Like Steve said, probably would be Memphis, I would think. Um, but specifically speaking to the Cats unis, and if you guys haven't seen those, go take a roll on over two at uc uniforms where steve will uh share with you a very lovely pick of those throwback unis which are hot like i said i don't want to be the weird guy online but that um you know we're getting rocked up here (laughs) those unis are gonna be sweet i would love to see more throwbacks because this this program across all sports but specifically basketball has such like a rich history of uniforms that like there's so much that we can go back to and I feel like we just haven't done it justice. Um we did we did really good with the um with the throwbacks that we had just, you know, you had just mentioned there um that we had in the what was that 17 18 19 season that we used those? I guess 17 18 season. Yeah. Um those were sweet. And I love those. And I, I just don't know why we don't do more throwbacks. Like, we have so many to go back to um, that this would be sweet. And so um, they're like a flat. What, what do you think we're going to go with? I would assume we're going to go with a white jersey and not the red. I would think. That would make sense, right? So, or, do you th- uh, what do you, or do they roll out both? I doubt they roll out both. They only roll no, out both. No, probably not. Like, to me, I was, uh, I was just very surprised uh, that they are doing a throwback because obviously under armor divested from uc so right. i figured like if you're making throwback unis and stuff i figured you'd have to like be in touch with the designer um so yeah. maybe this was in the works before that already and they uh like they had the uniforms and they just like they didn't really feel like dropping them during covid uh when like people weren't able to buy them um right. and this is kind of an interesting area to throw back to as well because um, we made the tournament once or twice in the seventies, uh, before mm-hmm. the, uh, I looked this up yesterday, coach Gail Catlett left to coach at his alma mater of West Virginia. And then we got hit with NCAA recruiting violations. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of why we uh, stunk in the, in the eighties. But, um, yeah, like this, like either, um, I, that was a sidetrack, but, um, that, that would be cool to see the red jerseys because the script Cincinnati on those is awesome. Yeah. Uh, but the the cats jersey is uh, impeccable, and I would be buying those. I was about to tweet out on the uniform account before yesterday that I didn't really like script on football helmets, but um, mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna have to save that take for a couple weeks. Yeah. But I don't sound <laughs> like a hypocrite. But um, either way, I love those uniforms. I think I posted about them on the Barstool account uh, like 15 times about how much I would love to see those, and so yeah. I felt seen and heard yesterday. 
that that's good. That, that this is this is like uh for for a lot of people they're like oh cool new unis for guys like us and for Steve and I this is this is like one of the pinnacle points of our year. Yeah. Um, these are these are sweet unis and I really do hope to see them. I hope that they um do I hope that they do them justice too and try to keep them like as spot on as possible. I would assume they have like the red belting um and that they'll have the numbers in the same place. Um, but I'd also be curious. Be, yeah. I don't know if they're going to be wearing the Lester Canones short shorts with it, but yeah, um, probably not. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I will say though, there are a lot of teams that when they do retro, um, that do like a trimmed short where it's like, it's in between the shorts or like the short shorts and the like regular length, um, short. So it's just a little bit higher. Um, so I would assume we'd probably see something like that, but, um, Regardless, this is super cool, and we'll uh, be covering this, I, I would assume, in more detail once we get more details. Uh, but it sucks that we get this now, and now we have to sit, and it's probably going to be at least... When's the Memphis game? That's... Is February that 3rd. February? Yeah, February 3rd. So it's a, Thursday. it's a month and a half wait. I think we can do it. But, <laughs> dude, I, I can tell you, I will be buying that jersey the second that it goes on sale. For sure. Yeah. I that, want to make that one's a good one on the wall. Yeah, I want to make I, I want to get a get a Photoshop up soon of what it would look like on a current player. Um, so, oh yeah, look look out for that in the future. Oh yeah, keep your eyes out, folks. Well, we got one last thing for you, um, which is just talking about football because there really hasn't been much to talk about other than maybe some signing day additions. Um, the spread against Bama for SP is now four points which is pretty intense considering everyone across the country thought that this game was going to be a blowout, except for Bearcats fans, of course. Four points for the Cotton Bowl, I think, is um, a lot more realistic. And I think that's what a lot of us are expecting, too. Um, and I, I, I honestly would love to uh, take the Bearcats midline on that, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know. What do you think, Steve? Um, so I think we, we're going to cover this all in our mega, uh, playoff pod, like the week of the game, um, which I just announced to you. (laughs) Sounds good. I figured it was coming anyway. Um, mega playoff pod. That'll be a good name for it too. Yeah. Um, it would be just like the mega cast, but the, but for (laughs) the, but for us. So I, I think the thing is that, uh, it just really comes down to how, our defense can stop their offense because if mm-hmm. the loss of John Mechie really hurts Alabama, then, you know, we're going to be uh, covering one-on-one with uh, sauce Gardner, number one on Jamison Williams, number one. So that'd be a really interesting matchup. Um, I, I think we are just going to have to find someone to like cover their tight end because uh, they're Alabama is going to find creases. It's just going to happen yep. as long as they don't, go like it's the bend don't break philosophy as long as they don't go for long yards and they just go on drives and they score touchdowns that way and we don't uh as if we can hold them to 21 points i'd say that's a a win for our defense that's a huge win and we just have to come up with a way to score 24 and um i think if we hold them to 21 i think we win that game yeah for sure i don't think that's i i with the way our offense is built and with our defense playing that well if we can hold them to 21, I don't see how we lose that game. Yeah. Personally. It's just going to be dependent on how we can get our receivers open, uh, how we can give Des uh, enough time 
to get that ball out and get rolling. And I think like Lenny Taylor is going to be big in that game. Uh, I think Wiley needs to be a part of that game plan too. We're going to have to go a lot over the middle because uh, some of our outside passes, we've kind of gone away from it, um, but it's not really boundary passes. It's been deep, deep shots. So it's, and like, I would, I think if, as long as we stay to that, I think it'll work. And we don't run the ball up the middle. <laughs> no yeah. running the ball up the middle. Change it up. Uh, like counters, baby. Off tackle. Yeah. Let's see it. Uh, strong, strong toss. Um, but yeah, it's kind of surprising to see how much SP plus values the Bearcats uh, in this matchup. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw um, them cover the, the two touchdown spread. I think a lot of people are underestimating this team. And like now, like... I think the the pressure's on Alabama really to go win another national title and the Bearcats can play free. And we saw that during that Notre Dame game where although the Bearcats were favored, they played almost like like pressure free. They played a perfect game in that first yeah. quarter, the first half. And like yeah. I was very impressed with how well they played in that first half. And if we can see something similar to that against Alabama. I think you got to give them all the, the chance in the world to go win it. Yeah. I think Alabama might travel well too with fans, but I think at a neutral site, if we see how we played against uh, like Notre Dame on, you know, and Notre Dame is a much different team, but regardless seeing how we can play on, on the road against a uh, quality opponent, I think we can do pretty well on a neutral site too. I think that the Bearcats have a good shot at this. Um, and the more, the more that time progresses and the closer that we get, I feel more confident uh, than I did the second that it, you know, it was dropped. I'm like, ah, Alabama, that's great, cool. But I'm I'm really starting to build confidence, and you know, I don't think for anybody if if we didn't end up winning that game, I don't think it's a letdown. I think it's just fun, you know. As lo- <laughs> as long as we keep that game close, I think yeah. no matter what, it's going to be a fun time. But I think we got a really good shot, and I don't think we need to be talking about, um, you know how much fun we're going to be having and more so need to be talking about how much fun we're going to be having uh, when we go to the national championship game, which I have uh, with the, the, the tickets are on deck. They are uh, preliminarily purchased. So all that Luke fickle and the Bearcats need to do is punch that ticket and they will get 400 bucks from me. And then then each one of my family members. Um, so yeah, my and card then, is <laughs> the balance of my bank account. Uh, hang it hangs in the balance. <laughs> I also just wanted to give a quick shout out uh, and then we'll get out of here to uh, Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner for both winning a bunch of cornerback awards. Uh, Kind of surprising to me that Kobe won the Thorpe award um, because all the talk has been about Sauce this year. And um, like, I feel like we just haven't shown enough light on Kobe. He's been tremendous this year. So good job, Kobe. Um, Good luck, Alabama, trying to go against that. uh, Those two receive those two corners on the outside. Yeah. That's all we got to say on that. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. That's not going to be fun for them. It'll uh, no. they'll end up. Uh, who is that? Somebody was somebody was pissed off this week. Um, I think it was uh, Rams corner. Or somebody was pissed off because they couldn't get a couldn't get a single catch because the, or the passing and the catching was way too good. So <laughs> hopefully Alabama, huh? I was just laughing at that. Oh, I, if it wasn't, I'm trying to remember who the Rams played this week, but uh, whoever that was was P. The Cardinals. Oh yeah, Cardinals. Um, he was pissed because he couldn't. There was nothing he could do because Stafford threw too good of a ball. So 
hopefully that's the same thing that we'll be talking about with Alabama is they're just going to be pissed off because they can't do anything against our corners and they can't do anything against our offense because everything will be firing on all cylinders and the Bearcats will ride nice and high into Indianapolis to go play the national championship game. So with that, I think that's a good point to uh, roll off the pod on. Um, went a little bit longer than expected, but I think we had some very necessary rants that we need to get out, especially with Crosstown. So uh, with that said, this has been Viva La Cats. Um, if you're not already, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Viva La Cats Pod and follow us on Spotify, Apple Pods, or wherever you listen. And make sure to check out SEUC uniforms for all the up-to-date UniTracker info from Steve, which hopefully we'll have some cool throwback stuff from him here soon. So take care, guys. Um, have a good week. And I guess we'll be reviewing some more basketball. <laughs> There's not a lot of football left uh, until the playoffs. So we'll talk to you guys next week. Roll Bearcats. Roll Cats, baby.